So hello and welcome to another episode of Industry Celebrities. My name's Kimberly Scott, former video girl and now podcast rookie. Industry Celebrities is a podcast where my friends in all sorts of industries are kind enough to allow me to ask them questions so I can hone my interviewing skills and find out more about their industry, which makes them a celebrity to me. If you want to share your knowledge of the, your industry and be on Industry Celebrities Podcast, email me at Kimberly at marketingdoer.com, just like it sounds. And you can listen to other episodes by searching Kimberly D. Scott on Anchor and iTunes and YouTube to watch other episodes. So, now for today's guest. Today's guest is Mr. Damon McCall. Yay! Yay! It's so good to be here. Yay! Thank you for joining me today, Damon. Thank you for having me. So, tell the listeners a little bit, just schmidge about yourself and what industry you're in, and then I'll go to asking my super duper questions. Well, I am in the screening industry, ah. so still part of multifamily. I didn't stray far. <laughs> still in the apartment <clears throat> biz. That's right. I'm still in the biz. And what was the other question? <laughs> <laughs> Where are you from? Oh, God. I'm from West Texas, so I grew up in the Texas panhandle. Woo-hoo. That's right. Yeah. We love West Texas. Right? Shout out to my panhandle peeps. Yeah. <laughs> What's your area code out there? 79083. <laughs> <laughs> That's zip code. So oh, sorry. 806. 806. Shout out to 806. 806. Ooh, right. I think that we're going to make that a part of the podcast. Shout out to the 806. Yep. Cool. Well, thank you for being on Industry Celebrities. And sure. I want to find out um, what it's like to have made the switch from the partner supplier side of the business coming from the management owner side. It's kind of challenging actually because you know you know your role so well as an on-site employee and supervising sites and all the things you do in multifamily operations and whenever you sort of leave that and a lot of people have done it right successfully but when you leave that and go to the supplier partner side it's a whole other world and suddenly you're not on the inside <laughs> of the circle anymore. You're on the outside of the circle. Well, it depends on who you hang out with, but yes, it that's does. true. When you're hanging out with Kimberly Scott, it's <laughs> a whole other story. <laughs> oh, you're so right? sweet. <laughs> but you're inside the circle then. If you start and you don't really have a lot of relationships, it can be more difficult. Mm-hmm. So it's still fun. You know, you still have a really good time and you still see a lot of great people and you still do a lot of interaction with the on-site teams. So from that standpoint, you kind of get to live a little bit vicariously through them and not have to deal with all the things on site that they have to deal with. <laughs> all that fun stuff. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> the juggling, multitasking and wearing multiple hats. Correct. Yes. Well, what advice would you give someone else who is thinking about making that switch? Wow, I think I set this up pretty nicely just a moment ago. <laughs> Network. If that's something that you're thinking about doing, I strongly encourage you to network. And that means going to events, whatever people are doing in the industry, go to it, make friends, let people know you and appreciate you for who you are. Mm -hmm. And then make the switch because having those relationships before you change over to the supplier partner side is everything. Would you say network on both the, this is a trick question, on both the management side and the supplier side or just the supplier side? Well, the question I think was more about if you were going from on-site or within multifamily mm-hmm. over to supplier. And so certainly it's important both ways, though. Okay. You 
know, once you make that transition, you have to keep networking and yes. you have to keep, you know, seeing people. I think my point is, though, it's much easier to meet people and talk to them when you're on the same team, mm-hmm. right? When you're both in the trenches every single day doing the same thing. It's um, much easier. Yeah, there's a different dynamic. And so, yeah, it is easier. And people are faster to trust you. Mm-hmm. Especially when you have knowledge that you share with them at you know, no cost. You're just you know, sharing your knowledge with them. Definitely, it builds the <coughs> rapport and your trust level. That's right, yep. But the reason I asked that question is because I did have some, and it's been a while, friends that went over from management, but they stayed in their little bubble, didn't know anybody outside of their management company, and they definitely found that to be harder because they were now, you know, calling on those people that they saw at conferences and that they spoke with, but because they didn't really network with them and have built those relationships at that time, it was much harder for them when they made the jump, other than just knowing suppliers, you know. Yeah, you're hitting it right on the head. That's exactly the experience that I had, right? So I... I wasn't talking about you, but you had that experience? I I did, (laughs) right? So I worked for two management companies, which were pretty good sized, and... I knew the people within our group. Mm-hmm. I knew those owners that owned real estate we managed properties for. I knew all of the senior leadership, and that's it. Mm. But because I was so focused on that particular piece of my job and not the networking piece, I think it put me at a disadvantage for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, I think in any industry, if you network outside your circle, it's always going to be better. It doesn't matter. It's especially helpful in the apartment biz, but Absolutely. outside of your industry, no matter what it is, networking is super yeah. the way to go when it comes to going out on your own. And people say it all the time, but the apartment business is so small. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a small world. Everybody mm-hmm. knows everybody. Mm-hmm. And I would venture six, to say... Six degrees of separation. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and I would venture to say it's a little bit easier to network within the apartment industry as a result of that because so many people are tight-knit. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah, I think that it's pretty easy to leverage it. You just have to make time for it. Cool. Great advice. And I absolutely 100% agree even though I only knew one person when I got into the apartment business. So that was like 15 years ago. And now you know everybody. <laughs> well, not it, but I know a lot of people. <laughs> it was a lot of networking. It took a lot of time networking. Okay, so what advice would you give a property manager? We're going to go into the approved shield side of your business. What advice would you give a property manager who wants to avoid fraud on their applications? Besides, you know, like... Higher proof shield, but <laughs> well, yeah, there's always that higher proof shield, <laughs> yeah, yeah. right? Because we do a really good job. But no, seriously though, if there's one thing I think that managers could do that would improve the quality of their applicant pool, it's to really scrutinize and review their ID, especially on those online applications. Mm. I've had stories told to me from friends within the industry that they've rented apartments for their kids, you know, online, sign the lease online, the kids go to pick up the keys and no one validates their identity. Wow. The leasing staff say, oh, okay, everything's done and everything's finished. Here you go. Here's your keys. And, you know, that could be somebody that made up an identity or stole an identity and you don't have any idea who they are. So dig in and really make sure you know who it is that's moving into your community. I think that that's probably the key is Mm -hmm. just knowing your customer better yeah, and knowing some things about them Mm -hmm. and really looking at that social security card and the driver's license or identification card that they provide you. I think that's probably the biggest key to avoiding a lot of fraud. Wow. I'm shocked that people don't ask for that. I'm a renter and I'm a little disturbed when I don't get asked for my ID. But online leasing, I really can say that I haven't ever 100% just done. I mean, I've searched online and then you fill out the application, but usually I go in and I meet them and then they tour me. So I haven't haven't been in this situation just yet. I'm sure in the future I might be where I just solely rent online, talk to them, you know, don't 
do anything in, in person because, I mean, that does happen a lot, but I'm just flabbergasted as you're saying that people don't ever ask for an ID because that's crazy. They don't. And in that online leasing thing, that I, mean, I think that the office staffs get busy and mm-hmm. the paperwork's done and everything. All the dots have been oh, dotted think, and yeah. the T's are crossed. They and think, yeah. So it's good. Yeah. But yeah, there's definitely that other layer of verification. Well, great advice. So property managers out there listening, make sure you share that. Share this podcast. Yeah, share it far and wide because fraud is definitely growing in the multifamily business. Oh, yeah. What was the story that you told me earlier offline? Yeah, so there are companies out there in the world, many of them, that will manufacture a new identity. And they, mm. they call that synthetic identity fraud. <laughs> and I know it sounds like something space-aged, doesn't it? Like synthetic. <clears throat> it does. definitely sounds illegal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and instead of stealing an identity from somebody else in the traditional sense, they steal the identity of somebody that's really not using their credit. They're mm. deceased. They're very young. They're, you know, there's some reason that their credit's really not being used. Mm-hmm. And they build it up over some period of time. There's multiple ways that they can do that. And then they proceed to use that synthetic identity as long as they can until the clock runs out. Wow. Meaning they don't pay their bills or yeah. their credit starts to turn. Yeah. And that's why I heard a couple of years ago, I guess, because of this synthetic identity that they said, check your children's credit, credit even though you don't think they have anything. Yeah, which that, that's exactly right. Wow. Now and, I and, know why. Well, and I think that as a result of what we're seeing today in the next 10, 15, 20 years, we're going to see kids grow up and start to try to apply. use their credit and apply for things and they're going to be denied and they're going to find out that there's this huge widespread problem that nobody mm-hmm. knew about prior to. It happened to my nephew when he went to go first time he had a job and claimed or his mom was doing his tax returns. Yeah. Somebody had already submitted a tax submitted, return. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's creepy. Yeah. But it's the way of the world so you got to watch out and protect yourself. So great advice. Thank you so much. Sure. Now we're going to play it's either fun fact or two truths and a lie. Which do you prefer? Two truths and a lie. Oh, okay. I love that game. It's so much fun. <laughs> I mean, who doesn't like that? <laughs> okay. So I'll let you go first. Give me two truths and a lie. Okay. I have been mountain climbing on Mount Everest. I have met Delta Burke in person and had a great conversation with her. Oh, <laughs> I worked at McDonald's once. <laughs> I'm going to say the first one is a lie. It is a lie. <laughs> Man, totally I'm lie. good. Yeah. <laughs> Do I know you or what? <laughs> yes. Mountain climbing? Hmm. hmm. It doesn't really strike you as me. No. So, I know yeah. you like to be outside and yeah. in your garden, but, but not, not mountain. <laughs> yeah, I'm not all about hanging around at 30,000 feet. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Two truths and a lie. I wanted to be an in living color dancer. Oh, I chased and met Anderson Cooper through a casino. <laughs> and the lie is... Oh, oh you're not I supposed up. to tell me. Oh, darn it. <laughs> okay, I messed that one up. Never mind. <laughs> what were you going to guess of those two to be a truth or a lie? I thought they were both true. Okay, good. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I didn't like, get to meet Anderson Cooper because Janet stopped me, but I was chasing him because <laughs> she wanted to meet him. <laughs> wow. I was yeah, going to say, Vegas. what was he like? If, if yeah, we didn't... Most friends that are, you know like in awe of famous people, they're very respectful, I feel, and they try not to bother them. Sure. I'm not so much, because I don't even know who they are until they point them out. I'm like, let's go talk to them. They're like, no, don't do that. <laughs> so. Yeah, that's kind of me too. So when I see famous people in real life, I huh? always think I know them from somewhere else. Yeah, the most people, yeah. Right, I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, did I go to school at high school, <laughs> college? 
oh no wait you're actually yeah. a movie star <laughs> <laughs> my bad <laughs> That is funny. Oh, well, okay, fun. Note to self, Kimberly needs to get better at Two Truths and a Lie. Okay, so thank you again, Damon, for joining me today. And thank you, everyone, for listening. And please subscribe to my YouTube channel, Kimberly D. Scott. I haven't claimed my URL yet because I need 100 subscribers, so please subscribe. Or follow me on Facebook, Insta, Twitter, and iTunes, and LinkedIn. So if you want to hear more. And thanks again. Until next week, stay positive and keep growing. Bye, Have a everybody. great one. Bye.